You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition and their new Centerfire Rifle Ammunition Terminal Ascent. Now, the Terminal Ascent has a slipstream polymer tip that helps flatten trajectories and initiates low-velocity expansion at longer ranges. The Terminal Ascent gives you match-grade long-range accuracy in a bonded hunting bullet and it comes in a variety of cartridges including the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 28 Nosler, the 7mm Remington Mag 30-06 and the 300 Win Mag. If you want to find more information about the Terminal Ascent, visit federalpremium.com and while you're there, check out It's Federal Season, the official podcast of Federal Ammunition. <laughs> all right on the hunting gear podcast with me today mr dave thomas dave how we doing man hey dan how are you i'm doing good man um that you know of are you still the only holder of the the lazy ck super slam I think so. <laughs> I I don't know actually. I need to call those guys. I I'm gonna go ahead and say yes, just because I, it sounds great to know that I could be the only one that holds that uh, title. Okay, but first we gotta. Okay, so I met Dave um, at some a media event down in Texas. Um, our but our mutual friend Tim Kent invited us to this uh, this media event where we were at some high fence operation and we we were shooting exotic animals. Okay, and. Um, uh, and I, I shot a, like some, uh, seek a deer and never found it. Right. Just, I, I don't know what happened, but Dave over here slayed. I don't know. How many animals did you end up killing? Four, four. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what animals were they? Uh, wow. Um, odd Ed, um, the Rhea, a hog and a axis buck which actually dan i was just thinking of that i never got my stuff back yet from that i gotta call them guys did you get your mounts back did you have mounts oh no uh because i i only killed a rhea and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna (laughs) mount some like six foot bird in my house Yeah, that's funny, man. That was a good time, though. I, I have to admit, that was. I still talk about that today on different shows I'm on and stuff because that was literally one of my uh, favorite experiences. Just because it was like, just was so much different, and yeah. and think of all the content that you know that trip generated, yeah. uh, especially conversations on your own in your podcast, conversations on mine, conversations together we've had yep. about the high fence portion and all that stuff. I mean, it's generated a lot of content um yeah. and definitely think it's worthwhile for 
these companies to do those media hunts because I, I just I feel like it, I, I got a lot out of it. And my respect yeah. for Faradine is so much higher than it ever was, you know, yep. at that point. I was like, wow, these guys are great. You know, they brought us down. It was really nice of them. And then on top of that, you get to see all these new products that no one's seen before and give your opinion on them. I yeah. thought that was amazing. Yep. So we got to preface this a little bit. Um, you are the did, did you found Bow Hunter Planet? You're the founder? Yes. Creator and founder. Okay, creator and founder of Bow Hunter Planet. Let's get some context. What is Bow Hunter Planet? Yeah. Um, so we started Bow Hunter Planet a long time ago based on just the idea of having a community that we could create of really just our friends, to be honest, at, at, at the beginning. And then it kind of, uh, I brought on like a couple uh, good friends to like, you know, co-own it with me and go through the steps of building it. And it was really more like a set of place just for us to put our content. I had a couple friends um ron and jay and some other guys who were like always filming their hunts and i thought man it'd be a really cool place to put our films and this you know these films weren't like gonna be you know <laughs> the next award outdoor winners channel. yeah but you know they were places for us to capture moments that we loved and that we could always go back and talk about and bullcrap about whatever so um anyway that's kind of how it started and then at some point we were trying to grow as a forum and i I told Tim, who's my or one of my the original founding partners, I said, you know, we're never going to compete with Archery Talk. I mean, at the time, Archery Talk was huge, you know, in the forums, and they were just crushing it. And it was in their own by a bow company at the time, by Martin at that time. And I just remember thinking, like, we'll never compete with them. So why would people come talk with us when they could just stay there? I mean, we were getting people, but like 50 to 100 people, you know. And so I told Tim, I said, we need to focus more on youtube videos and just kind of creating content that you know just outdoor content whatever it didn't matter we could just show off some bows show off how-to videos that kind of how it dwarfed and then it and then uh it snowballed from that point on i remember i'll never forget the first time a bow company came on it was dart and archery um and luminoc the two first companies to ever give us a chance and i'll never forget that because it was the one of the nicest things they could have ever done but it also helped push our drive and it drove us to create something that turn into what we call our test lab show where we um, go on and review bows, uh, review products, review the new accessories, hunting gear. We've reviewed e-bikes. We reviewed four wheelers. I mean, it's kind of gotten into this like crazy stuff where it's all over the place. And as you've seen with the shift from TV funding to internet funding, you know, things have only grown over the past 11 years. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And hence one of the reasons why I started the hunting gear podcast was because, you know, everybody wants to talk about big buck tactics and how to's and, you know, uh, you know, all these big things when there wasn't really anything dedicated to um, the products at that point, there, there was, they, they may have done talked a little bit about, you know, what gear you should use um, before a trip or, or what gear to use before the hunting season or stuff like that. But most of the time it's, it's bought and paid for and um, it's not done by the manufacturers or by the people. And so I said, Hey, I want to have a podcast that's just about that stuff. Um, just about hunting gear and equipment. So, and one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on was because of that, right? So you work with gear every single day, every video that you put out on uh, bow hunter planet, it's a YouTube channel and through the test lab, um, is it, it's all hunting gear and equipment, right? So I guess one of the, one of the first questions that I have for you, like when you get a product in the mail, whether it's a bow, 
uh, from the manufacturer, whether it's a bow or a release or a broadhead or whatever that product is. How do you unbiasedly judge that uh, product and put it through the ringer so you know how to um, communicate that product to the end user, which is your listeners or your followers? Yeah, that's a good question. So <clears throat> generally when a bow comes in, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's just this brown box, right? And, you, and you're like, Ooh, I wonder what this is. You know, it's exciting. So then I take it, uh, over to our studio and then I take, I just take it out. Sometimes I actually film the unboxing of a, of a bow just cause I can then get a feel for what it looks like. Um, I try not to pay too much attention to the brand right off the bat, um, but I, I do like to know which brand because it, when if you look at any brand, they have um, what I would call, um, I don't know, uh, accents or whatnot, like something that's always the same uh, between bows. So like their bows from last year to this year aren't much different, and this is why, right? This is like a good example is uh, Matthews, right? Their risers, they had this time where they had like, their risers are always somewhat similar and everybody does this. And I'm not picking on them, but they're always similar. And then all of a sudden there'll be a complete break and they'll change. They'll go to the honeycomb or they'll go to something else. So it's quite interesting. And I love talking about the history of that when I'm on the show, because some people just don't realize, you know, what bows they had three years ago, but we do cause we tested them. Right. So it's nice to go back and be like, Oh yeah, you know, this has been around. I remember this piece of it, you know? Um, but to be fair to, to the bow manufacturers here, at this conversation um, there is not a single bow that I have shot that will not kill a deer and yeah. or get the job done. So I want to be clear on that. So everything kind of goes then to a little bit more opinionated. Um, but what I do to just try to keep it simple is I, you know, I show the bow off. I show every aspect of the bow through video, through high quality 4K video. And the user then can experience, you know, what that bow looks like, the, the curves, the dips, um, the cam system being used. So I'll start with the general overview so you can see it. Then I'll jump into the statistics. So if you want to know like how fast it is and all that, according to what the manufacturer is saying, then you'll have that information. Then I jump into the tech of the bow and I talk about what is on this bow, what they're saying is on this bow tech and then showing those aspects so people understand what they actually are. Because sometimes, you know, you might say like it has uh, deadlock pockets or whatever, but you don't really know what that is, right? So um, we try to get into that. And then I try to give a fair biased opinion on the grip a lot because the grips are really important to me. And, I, and some people, they're not. And everybody jokes about it with me here internally. It's a big laughing joke like, oh, how's the grip, Dave? <laughs> it's constant. Like all the guys, so who's the grip? And people say that in videos, too. And I don't care because the thing is the, the grip is so important to me in, in every way, shape or form for me. And everybody's different. Like to you, it might be speed. Like you don't care about the grip. Your biggest thing is speed. But for me, it's always been the grip because I like the feel, a certain feel. And if I don't have the feel, it doesn't. But I'm not going to rip on a company because they don't have the feel I like. You know, it just might that might not be my favorite aspect of a bow. Right. Anyway, so then we get into speed testing, which is always fun because we judge it the same way every time. And it's really important because it's it's I we do it to what the, the majority average is. And the majority average hunter is a 60 pound 60 to 70 pound, 29 inch draw. So that's the normal. So what we do is we will hit it at 70 pounds, 29 inches of draw, which is not IBO, which people always tell, oh, why don't you do it this? But the thing is, I don't want to do IBO because I don't really care what they're saying. I'm telling you what it's going to happen in a hunting scenario. Yeah. So I'm showing it to you 
from, you know, what it's going to be for me. If I go out and hunt, this is what's going to happen with a 350 grain arrow, 450 grain arrow, 550 grain arrow, and a 687 grain arrow. That's just what it turned out to be, um, you know, and go through it that way. So that way then it shows, and I show those speeds straight up. There's no alterations. I actually film the whole part so you can see it as it happens and hear it as it happens. So there's, you know, no one has to be like, oh, they're not telling the truth, whatever. No, nope. we, we do it right there on film. Um, and then we just shoot the bow and we try to film the shots of every angle, every sound, just so people can hear it, um, get a feel for it themselves. And then I'll give my opinion at the end, but my opinion, again, it doesn't really matter because it's going to be up to the user, you know, on what they want and, and, you know, what they think is good or bad about that bow. But let's be honest, a lot of these bows are pretty much the same. There are little aspects of the bows that are different. Obviously the looks are different, but at the end of the day, a thousand dollar bow is getting it done regardless. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that, and that's what kind of blows my mind is when, um, and I think you can agree on this where confidence, if you have confidence in your equipment, you're going to go out into the timber and you're going to be able to get the job done. Um, regardless with, regardless of the brand, let's just say of, of that gear, if you're confident in your equipment. So I, that's, I mean, I always say, you know, if you're confident and just like you said, man, any, any bow that you've ever tested will kill a deer. If, if, if practice, if you practice with it, right. Yep. Yep. So, so as far as the, you know, these little tests and ringers that you run through, um, I mean, Obviously, and this is, uh, I've been to the ATA show before I've shot almost every bow in the room in, in some cases in certain years. And there are differences. I mean, you can tell the, the cream of the crop, the one percenters, let's just call them, uh, in the industry. And then some of the, the lower models that, uh, are more budget friendly and just the, the draw cycle or the hand shock or all these other things. So how, when when you go in and, and you start to break down a bow and maybe you're 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 do you ever compare bows to bows in in your reviews because I feel yep. that when when people you know you know let's say there's a five hundred dollar bow versus an eleven hundred dollar bow and obviously uh, quality for the most part uh, price ref- reflects quality um, but there comes a point where like you just have to tell the truth. Uh, and say, holy shit, this one is not good, or man, this is money. So how do you how do you stay unbiased after shooting the cream of the crop and comparing it to a lower budget uh, uh, bow, let's say that is that just uh, maybe you shoot one or the other and it's just head and shoulders above it. Yeah, I mean that there's a huge difference between bows when it comes to like feeling. So that's that's a great question and and one that a lot of times we push people to pro shops to shoot the bows themselves, you know, yeah. before they buy because frankly every bow shoots different, right? right? Every you know, if you're if you if you shot a lot of bows, you would know that uh, Elite makes one of the best back walls in the industry hands down. I mean, their their bows when it comes to smoothness but not speed, you're going to have a great shooting bow and an Elite but when it comes to if you want speed and a smooth bow, Bowtech's starting to make bows that are now are super smooth as well, right? And so is Matthews. So what's happening is for a while there, in my opinion, Elite was like literally the smoothest bow on the market. And Matthews definitely has caught up to that and is producing really smooth bows. Vice versa, Bowtech is doing it right now. Um, their Solution SS is super smooth. And sure enough, it is super smooth. If you watch the video, you can see when it comes to full draw, it's just like butter. I mean, there's really no feel. But again, 
when you have a super smooth bow, generally you're giving up speed, right? And so people start to realize that. I actually just filmed a video called When to Shoot at a Deer and When to Take Your Shot. And in that video, I talked about speed against comfort. And, you know, you know, you can shoot a 70 pound bow with a lot of speed if you're trying to make up for any errors that you might make in the field. And that's, 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 that's a reasonable need. And it makes sense, right? If a deer is like all of a sudden alert, you don't want to really shoot at it if it's alert, but if you have to take the shot, you're probably better off a little faster bow. So there are ups and downs, yeah. but when you compare a thousand dollar bow to five hundred dollar bow, there is a major difference in draw cycle. Yeah. And there's in, but the thing about it you have to remember though, is you know the one of the best parts of this industry is that the bow companies have done a phenomenal job of every year trying to make something better than the year before. And I would say without a doubt. They have done that. They've been somehow able to completely make smoother and faster bows as time has gone on. And But what you get in those lower end bows is the technology from the year before. So you're not necessarily getting tech that's not new. It's still a lot further than any of the old, old bows from like 2000 to 2009. Anything you get in the lower end range is going to be, you know, have a lot of that same, uh, you know, capabilities. And if not tech, that's still far out paces those bows yeah um but yes so i tell people that you know the same thing as i say first thing you need to do is figure out what can i afford okay because that's always number one so yeah. it's like if i can afford 600 dollars total i'm walking out the door with a ready to hunt package 600 bucks that changes everything for what you're wasting your time shooting so you have to then go to the go to the store and sit in that range you know and if you want to go 100 bucks more or 100 bucks less that's fine but you know you're not going to get much in the 700 range. It's usually, it's usually like around six to 700 is like some sort of art, you know, ready to hunt package, and then you jump to a thousand. There's not really a middle ground, and and, and even 1100 is pretty much the norm now, you know, for a high perform. If you want like the best of the best, but let's compare it to anything else in the world. I'm a golfer. I buy a new golf club every year. That's a thousand dollars. I'm a tennis player. I want the best racket, the best strings. It doesn't really matter what the sport is. If you're into it that deep, you're going to most likely want to spend that kind of money. Yeah. But yes, to answer your question, there is a major difference between the high and the low end. But depending on your settings and what you're trying to do, you know, if you do it, because some of the bows still have good speed. It's not like they don't have good speed. It just might not be as smooth as that Elite or smooth as that Bowtech or Matthews or Expedition, whatever. It might not get that extra smoothness, but if you don't care and you hunt like, you know, once a month and don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it would matter. Yeah. So I can remember I went from this, this garage sale bow. Literally I bought it at a garage sale and I shot it for a handful of years. Um, and then I up, God, I can't remember. I think it might've been a bear, like just from like an old bear compound bow from back in the day. And then in 2006, I had enough money to go out and buy my very first brand new bow. It was a Bowtech tribute. And the just shoot, going from shooting a bow that was made in the early 90s to a bow that was brand new, it just blew my mind out of the water, right? Like, holy cow, this bow is money. Through all your testing that you've done, are there any examples of specific bows through maybe let's just say since the creation of bow hunter planet that you've tested that were, you just go, Holy cow, this bow is the shit. 
Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to lie. Like, that Realm SS that I took to Texas was like that. And I shot four deer right in the heart with that. There are four animals in the heart with that thing. It was unbelievable. And so, and that's the, that's the elite, right? No, that was the Botex. The Botex. The Botex, the Botex Realm, Realm. SS at okay. the time. Yeah. Now they have Solution SS, which is still right along those lines of super smoothness. And But I'm more of a comfort shooter. I am personally a type of person who doesn't care about speed. I wait for the animal to be relaxed and chill before I take my shot. I'm not rushing shots for the most part. I'm not saying I don't make mistakes. I do. But um, that's kind of been where I've been at um, mentally for when I go bow hunting. But I think that um, other bows, though, that has surprised me, uh, gearhead archery, way smoother bow than it looks. You know, you're, yeah. you draw, you're thinking this thing's going to be crazy, not comfortable at all. Wait a minute. Turns out to be a pretty sweet shooting bow for that little pocket rocket. Yeah. Um, uh, there's another one. What was it called? Oh, it's like a vertical crossbow. That was wild, but it was actually a lot of fun to shoot. Um, Hickory Hill, Hickory something. I remember it was unbelievable. Um, and then, and then there's the crossbow market. Obviously we haven't talked about that, but there was a lot of head turning in there, but I would say an interesting bow to me was the, um, no cam from Matthews. I didn't think it was a bad bow, but it didn't have a lot of punch power, which I know a lot of people wanted. So that's probably why it's not around anymore, but it wasn't a smooth bow. Yeah, it was really smooth bow. And then I found out, which I didn't know at the time and someone commented. And then I went ahead and researched it, that Darton had created a no cam type bow years before, like a long time ago. And then, Someone sent us one for free, and I have one in our studio, a Darton SL50 or something, or 150, and has these, like, cams that are the same concept. It was very interesting. Crazy. The history. Yeah. That's, uh, that's man, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I actually uh, shot or hunted a whole season, uh, maybe even two seasons, with uh, a gearhead bow. And it is, it is no hand shock in that bow. Real smooth, yeah, real bow. smooth. Yeah, absolutely real smooth bow. I, I loved it. Yeah, I, and I really loved the, and at the time, 30-inch axle-to-axles, you know, no one was doing that. Now, yeah. everybody is starting to come down to that 30, 31, 33. You know, if you don't put out a 30, you know, a 31 or a 32, you're not in it. You know what I mean? So, um, I loved, I love the shorter Axle to axle bows. Now, comment on this because you know we we mentioned that that there is a bit of a difference um, in the you know the the flagship bows from some of the major brands like Elite Matthews Bowtech and some of the other lower brands, right? However, uh, not obviously the ATA show got canceled last year, but I was really impressed with several bow manufacturers at the uh that were at the show and i shot their bows that were considered second or third tier bow manufacturers but their quality was really that had really stepped up yeah that's a great point and uh you know for years for years you know we we have tried to you know we've reached out to all the bow manufacturers We've worked with all the big ones and the small ones and companies like Athens over mm-hmm. the years doing work with Athens. Athens, I got to go there, actually see their facility. Um, it was impressive. And they do other work and people didn't know that at the time, you know, and this is years ago, but they did other work for other bow manufacturers and different things. And you just never would thought that, right? You walk through there, you're like, wow, you know, this is no joke. And there's aerospace work being done. And, you know, so people don't realize that a lot of these companies have a lot going on. Um, I think it was 2019, I visited Hoyt at their facility. 
And obviously Hoyt's a major one. I get that. But like it was incredible, like just incredible to see how they take a block of CN, uh, a machine and CN, uh, I'm sorry, a block of aluminum and CNC it down to a bow riser. And yeah. then you wonder why it's so expensive for a bow. You know, it's like right. unbelievable. this huge block of metal gets taken all the way down to that riser. You see, it's just incredible, beautiful, majestic when you see it like that turned into that. It just it's blo- mind blowing. Um, you know, and, and to get to talk to them and see it in person, it was just a, a total eye opener, huge respect for Hoyt and what they're doing in Athens. Cause like these, these, this type of work isn't really as simple as people want it to be. And, you know, you think it's just a bow, it's just a bow. It's not just a bow. When you get into the higher level bows, there's titanium pieces. There's tons of, into the cam. The limbs are better. They're wider, fatter, shorter nowadays. You know, I think Matthew's kind of started that thing years ago, but started shortening the bows. And then you're starting to see these cams have uh, mods that switch right in the cam. So no longer do you have to have separate mods. Now it's all built into the cam. So if you, you know, if you're a 20 inch draw, no problem. You're a 30 inch draw, no problem. You just adjust it. You don't have to sell, you know, get a new cam, a new mod from the company and spend 50, 60 bucks, you know? Right. So, Huge differences there. Uh, as far as the little companies go, most of them are very high quality. So I would, when we talk about smaller brands, I don't know if I guess Expedition would be a little bit smaller, but they're they're well, I guess compared to like a Hoyt size, yes. But they um, their quality is unbelievable. You know, yeah. their stuff they're doing, their machining's unreal. Um, so there's a lot of them like that, you know. But I think they've all done a pretty dang good job, and you're starting to also see. Not to kind of jump off topic here, I apologize, but you're starting to also see um, Darn Archer got acquired by Black Eagle. So that's a big deal. Like people just thought Darton would just fade away and have all their patents, which they did. But then Randy bought them, and now it's a whole different level. You're going to see Darton come back out guns a blazing. You watch, yeah. you know, now that they have a, a new younger owner that, you know, wants to move this thing into the next generation, you're going to see that brand you know, get pushed way back up on the podium. I could tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always cool to see something like that, like an old brand that has, has the, that has stood the testament of time in, and this kind of goes for any industry, but then a resurgence of that passion for whether it's bow hunting or archery in general, um, come back up through it. And, you know, and a lot of these companies within the hunting industry are being bought and sold, you know, to big companies or, you know, just like any other industry. And it's cool to see, you know, a, um, a company, like you said, like Darton get purchased by an, a black Eagle and then have a little bit more, uh, I guess, uh, swagger. Like they're going to be putting some swagger into it. I, I have a feeling anyway. Oh yeah. I, I, <laughs> It's so exciting because, you know, people talk about it. It, it, it was basically throwing dart in a lifeline, yeah. you know, because it was it was going to be gone. I mean, I don't see how it could have done anything. They we stopped doing uh, bow reviews for dart in like five years ago or something. I mean, it was like a long time ago. They, they just completely shut their marketing down, didn't do anything anymore. And <clears throat> that was scary because I thought, well, man, I don't know what's going to happen with them. And they're a Michigan company. We're in Michigan, you know, so we always was hoping that, you know, they would keep going. And um, so that was kind of disheartening and then when we found out black eagle bottom it was just like joy you know like oh my gosh they're gonna be around and you know you know it's gonna go into the future here here we go any uh word on when they might have a new bow come out like a, a new uh, their new brand their new whole thing yeah actually it's kind of funny i talked to randy today actually randomly because uh 
uh, we do some work with Black Eagle right now. And so I said, you know, we got to get some Dartons moving. You know, we got to get them back on the show. We got to get their cross. They've had, and I was telling Randy the same thing. They've had one of the best crossbows ever. I mean, it is literally one of the most balanced, shootable crossbows you've ever used in your life. And it's small and compact and really nice, but they never marketed it really well. So no one really knew that, that Darton had this great crossbow. In fact, years ago, I told him, you should sell that crossbow to Obsession or somebody else, you know? Like, at least then somebody would be using it, right? And someone would be promoting and getting it out. No one listened to me, of course. But, <laughs> <clears throat> but it sounds like they're going to work on it for 22 because um, it didn't sound like from the compound side they're going to have a lot to do this year besides design something new. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like the crossbow, they are launching two crossbows that, toxic uh coming up redesign slightly so yeah. but I, i'm telling you right now give it a year or two that they'll, they'll be pumping you know awesome. it'll be a whole different brand well that's good and and that's what the the archery and bow hunting or hunting industry in general needs is a little more lifeblood pumped into it i agree and black eagle's the one to do it man they're like all they're always doing target archery stuff they're you know they're they've grown so much since they started and so it's just really exciting that they're acquired by another archery company and that it can keep going. Yeah. And I don't know if you've been following if you if you've been following through the industry, but man, there's just been so many acquisitions and you know some of these massive companies are just so big now. It's it's literally crazy. So it's interesting though, like from a our podcast point of view and our uh, you know Tesla point of view for sponsors and things like that. You get one, they have thirty brands. So <laughs> yeah. If you get them, you get them all. <laughs> yeah, and you get to test all of them, right? Yeah, that's that's the fun part. Yeah, that is the fun part. We've actually had a we've been playing a lot around a lot with um, you know broadheads more this year and getting into ballistics testing, um, and it's been kind of fun. We've been really pushing that idea of you know let's just go ahead and do quick videos on ballistics testing of different broadheads, and so that's been fun. It's been interesting to see when a broadhead hits the ballistic gel, like what it does, you know, how it planes and how it spins in there. It's just devastating in some cases, a lot more than I would have thought. Yeah. Put it out. Yeah. I'll tell you, um, after my buck this year that I shot, I shot it with an expandable, uh, wasp, uh, jackhammer and just the damage that it does through the animal is like, if I got, if I got hit with that same arrow, like I, I don't know. I, I, I would probably just die right. Exactly. I wouldn't even run away. I, I would just be like, yep. Yeah, hey, you got another arrow you can finish me off with. <laughs> no, I don't think you need it. I think you'd be out so yeah. quick. Oh yeah. Hit you. So scary. Those yeah. Are vicious. Yeah. So, um, just, just, I don't know. I, I get geeked out about all, you know, all, all types of uh, hunting gear and equipment, but when when you guys do your testing, right? Whether it's for a bow or a broadhead or you know anything else, how do you like the end result, the information that you gather? How do you translate that into good, positive, quality information for an end user to make a a, a quality purchase decision off of? Yeah, I think uh, you know we we try to talk through. Like, you know, what we just experienced in each video at the end of it. Um, and so definitely if you're watching our videos, watch to the end. But uh, that's kind of where we talk about the positives and we think it's, you know, good or bad. But what we've been doing, and this year I, I didn't do it, and it's because of COVID, there wasn't time. But 
Uh, normally, I do a uh, Battle of the Bows video each year at the end of the year, and that, and I, I will definitely do that this year. Come up, I actually might include twenty into the twenty one, so you can see them both. But that actually has the raw data, and that has an Excel file I show in there, and it actually shows the price points, the you know brace heights, the speeds, the what speeds we're getting. So it's kind of like. Um, the mix of everything is put together in one spot for the bow specifically. And it kind of shows you um, as the consumer, like, you know, Hey, this is the trend, you know, 4.5 pound weight bow is now the trend, right. Or, um, you know, 300 feet per second is freaking awesome because that's the, that's the trend. That's what they're all getting around. Right. That's the average of all these bows, these new bows. So it kind of gives you an average, I guess, like of numbers, which is actually very interesting to me. So like, for instance, the average bow is 32 inch axle axle. The average bow is 330 feet per second, right? The average bow is 4.2 pounds, right? So that means that gives you that numbers, and, you know, like what is the averages and what, how do, how do I relate to that, right? Is that something I'm interested in? Do I want what that normal is or I want above or below it? So yeah. I kind of tell people that when it, when it comes to like broadheads and stuff, it's actually you know, I don't really have to say anything because you're going to you're going to see from your own you're going to see watching the video what it does. And if you like it, cool. If you don't, you're not. Gonna, you know what I mean? Like right. there's no hiding anything. It's basically like, hey, here's a block. I'm shooting it. This is what's going to happen. Right. We'll right. see what it did. And then I talk about it, like, look, it looks like they're, you know, cut down or there it went up or so. And, and or if we do two forty fives, like sometimes we'll take wood and just like, you know, some thin panel. But we'll do a forty five with a forty five. So. You have these two wood panels at 45 degree angles opposite, and the broadhead has to go through both. And sometimes you get some weird crap happen, right? And it's again, people see it, right? And they can make their own decision yeah. on what they see. Um, and that's up to them. But I I think for the most part, I don't really experience a lot of bad issues at all. I mean, we've had things in the past, but you don't see them because they never they never if we have a major issue with something, we never even put it on our show. It would never get on our show. Why is that? Because it's, it's uh, I'm not going to promote something that is a danger. If there's any sort of danger or anything like that, I just report it back to that company and I give them the prospect. I'm not, yeah, because if any sort of legal, I'm not getting involved with that. It's not for me. Yeah, That's, yeah. You I know, mean, that makes sense. Shoot on their own, like things like that. You know, we've 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 sent back stuff, and you'll never. If it's a product's been on our show, it's because it's tested and we're good with it. But if it's something like that where there was issues and some of the companies I'm talking about are out of business now and, the, you know, probably the reasons why. But, you know, you, you, there's I've never I'll put it this way for a compound bow. I've never had a catastrophic failure, which yeah. means explosion. So yeah. that means you're at full draw and the bow blows up. Yeah. And I've seen it before on uh, friends of mine in the industry shows and they've had it happen. They've they post it cause they got hurt, you know, and they probably for legal purposes, but, uh, it was the most scary thing I've ever seen. I saw the limb come out of the pocket at full draw and just ex the whole bow just explode before your eyes. You can see this video if you just Google it. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who did, but just put bow explodes, you know, it, it's millions of views now, man, but crazy. that's crazy. All right. So, so when it comes to the, you know, the point where, um, you know, you've tested all this equipment. If there's someone out there, you know, listening to to us, you know, BS here, and they're saying, well, it must be nice for him to test all this equipment. What would you say to an average Joe, whether their budget is high or their budget is low? What would you say to that person on how they should make decisions based off of, you know, what you've learned? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'd suggest, number one, you know, the decision should be, I always say the same thing to everybody, and I think it's really important that all I'm really doing in our bow reviews is I am giving you the chance to see a bow before you drive 50 miles to a pro shop to buy it. That's all I'm really technically doing. I'm showing you the bow, reviewing the bow, giving you details on the bow, talking about some of the things I like about the bow, and giving you some facts about the bow based on the speeds, the weights, things of that nature, the detail. And then from that point on, it's kind of up to the user if they want to go and try to shoot that bow and test it to see if it's something they want to buy. But I always still recommend the same thing. You have to shoot these bows because if you shoot these bows, you'll understand that there's complete differences between them in feel, fit, form, and function are different. Good example is uh, let's talk about Bowtech. The Carbon Zion, it's a cool bow. It's actually a very well-priced bow. It is made of a type of carbon. Uh, but if you shoot that bow against the new solution, it's a completely different feeling shooting bow. Everything's different. The draw cycle, the when you fire, it feels different. The, the Especially the grip, completely different grips. So the bows are completely different. And there is, you will notice the feel. So what I always suggest is, look, start with price. You know your price go into a pro shop and then you line up the ones you're interested in or start with your price, go online, watch our videos and see which ones you think you like based on what you're seeing is a good starting point. Cause you might just see a bow and be like, that's ugly. I don't want it. You know, very simple. Yeah. I don't, I don't It's out of my, no, or the speed's too slow. Dave tested it 350 grain arrow. It's, you know, 270 feet. I don't want it. It's way too slow. Um, that's kind of the basics, right? And then you go into the pro shop, you have a list ready to go, and you're not wasting your time. You can actually bring your money that day because you're you've basically already got it down to where you need to be. Yeah. And that's for the bow. For broadheads, the same concept, right? You watch a, a a broadhead and you say, "Oh, look at the way I think playing." Like, eh, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or or you know, why, why did the why did the blade break off, right? I mean, that's what I'm saying. So we're showing that no matter what the outcome is, we're showing it. So. In those cases, you know, it's kind of up to the user to decide if they want. Now, let's be honest. Broadheads are all over the place, right? You you could shoot a, a, a broadhead you used five times in a row, kill five deer with it, and then all of a sudden one day you shoot one, same thing, and it hits a weird bone, does something crazy, and goes, you know, up through the roof of the deer or whatever, doesn't kill it or whatever. I mean, that does happen. That is a normal thing that can happen at any point with a crossbow or any bow, sorry, with yeah. any broadhead. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so through all the, you know, again, through all the testing that, that you've done, is there a, and compared to the comments that you get on YouTube or through forums or just talking with some of the people who follow along, maybe, maybe through social, is there anything that you've learned through testing bows and hunting gear equipment that you wish more people did before they made a purchase? That was kind of a, oh, man, I, I wish I would have done this years ago. Yeah. No, I think the biggest thing is brand recognition. Uh, people seem to be blinded by brand names. And I, I, I really wish people would give all these other bow brands a chance uh, before they're blinded by just a brand name. Because there are so many good bows. Like, it is amazing, you know. And there are so many times... And I'm not, again, I am not knocking Matthews whatsoever. They did an amazing job with their marketing campaigns over the years. But you have no idea how many people in the beginning of doing this would always say to me, oh, I'm not shooting that. It's not a Matthews. And, you know, and, I, and even, even Jamie, who's an owner, is one of our owners here, said that to me when he first met me. I said, really? 
I said, why don't you try this darting bow? See, tell me what you think. Shoot this one. Okay, shoot this Hoyt. Shoot this Bowtech. Shoot this. So, and, and I'm not just saying Matthews, right? And regionally, this becomes an issue. So in the West, Hoyt's really big. You know, I'm not shooting unless it's a Hoyt, whatever. I'm just saying, like, don't not shoot a Bowtech. Don't not shoot a Hoyt. Don't not shoot a G5. Whatever it is, give it a chance, you know? Like, at least try it. And if you don't like it, cool. I, it's your money. Totally understood. But if you're buying something because... You want to show off to your friends and say, oh, I got a Matthews. Well, it's not really that cool anymore, right? You know, it's just a bow, and there's so many great bows. So, you know, don't get me wrong. Again, V3, amazing bow. We tested this year for Matthews. Love it. No problem. Great shooting bow. But are there other good bows out there? Heck, yeah. There's so many. So I'd always say to everybody, just don't worry about what your friends think. Go by your price. Go into the shop. Shoot every model that, that inspires you, that you're excited about, right? And then uh, go from there. Yeah. So do you have any experience in this? You know, a lot of people want to buy a brand new bow, but they can't, let's just say they can't afford the price tag of, let's say, a brand new Matthews or whatever these top, you know, the higher caliber um, bow companies. Waiting a year, waiting for people to sell their their bows you know because obviously every year there comes a time where there's certain people that they want a new bow every year or they you know shoot a bow for two or three years and they get rid of it um do you think that that is also a good idea for especially when it comes to bows um for people to look into i guess what you would call second hand or or a second market bows um i think that it's kind of a loaded question because it, i you know how do we know how many shots were put through it? Are the limbs cracked? Is there any sort of wear and tear on the cams or any bends on the cam? So I guess like if the pro shop approved it, I think, I don't think I'd have an issue with that. I think it's a good idea. And I agree that there's a lot of sales there, um, but I would want it pro shop approved or reviewed, I guess, at least. Um, I would not buy it off eBay. I would not buy it off any sort of internet, you know, site. Um, and that's the other thing, you know, real quick on this, but, you know, a lot of people are buying some, you know, Amazon bows. We did a video on Amazon bow because we, we were interested that people, and, and believe it or not, it had like literally the most, a lot of views and people. So there's a lot of interest in that, but it told me two things. Number one, there's people interested in archery that don't know anything about it. And number two, they're really buying the wrong bow. They're not going to the right place to get a bow. And so, uh, unfortunately, you know, people who are not in the industry or not hunters or not archers are just like, you know, like, like an, a normal person who's just like an urban dude who, who, who you know, who skateboards. And he's like, you know, I want to get a bow. That sounds kind of fun. So what's he do? He goes on Amazon, buys a bow, not thinking that, oh, the good news is, like I said in our video, when we did it is like, look, if they get any what serious about this, right, they're going to go to a pro shop, pro shop's going to be like, look at that bow and be like, I don't know about that, man. You might want to upgrade, you know, to something a little bit better. But they just don't realize that you can get bows in low price points that are better than a, a you know, Chinese made bow that's, you know, on Amazon. So, yeah, just something to think about. I know most people listening to this are probably buying real bows, but just a heads up. On <laughs> real bows, <laughs> not not like they come in a plastic wrap that, uh, exactly. with a cardboard back. <laughs> it just makes no sense to me to buy, but they, people just don't know and that's the issue right i mean it doesn't make sense to buy a bow on amazon if you can go buy a bear archery bow they have low cost options you know bowtech's got a couple low cost options diamond so i mean there's definitely a lot of options mission um you know if you if you're if you're just trying to get a bow and wants and want to learn i would definitely still learn with one of these companies you know right right how much uh 
how many how much testing do you do on products like releases or um i don't know like arrows and things like that yeah you know i don't uh, we do a lot of release stuff but it's kind of like more um we just show it off and show us shooting. It's not like we do anything major with it or anything. It's more just a product. Re- uh, I don't even want to call it a review. Um, demonstration, I guess, yeah. would be the best word. So for arrows, things like that, we just kind of more do demos um, than anything. And like we we'll use we use uh, Black Eagle arrows pretty exclusively now. And I just I was talking to Randy about this morning about Test Lab and getting. You know, we want to use those arrows on the show for every show. And he was good with that, so he said he'd do it. But, like, you know, we have we have been using Black Eagle for the past about five years um, on that show. And so um, never any issues with Black Eagle. You know, that's, the, that's one thing I love about their arrows. I've never had a problem. But I can't talk from a perspective of other brands because I know Carbon Express. I know all the, we use them in the past, but we haven't used them recently, I guess. So we kind of stray away from that. Same with Scott. You know, we use Scott Archery a lot. We used True Ball back in the day and True Fire um, but we've we've moved to Scott because Scott said they would take care of the test lab show. So it's another reason. So we don't really necessarily do the reviews with those things. We just do more of display. Gotcha. So for the most part, you guys are just reviewing bows and broadheads. And and we do some bow sight stuff, not a ton, but there's some new stuff we're working on that's actually um, really interesting. <laughs> okay. From it from a uh, from a bow sight. Yeah, uh, but this one's for a crossbow. Oh, crossbows. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, me and you are, uh, well, I was on, you were, you led a presentation about, you know, like hunter recruitment and how hunting, you know, hunter recruitment, a good way to get people to transition into hunting is from archery to hunting because it's already, I mean, they're already doing the same thing. All they have to do is, you know, go in the woods and kill an animal. So, um, talk to us a little bit about how you feel that cross crossbows could potentially, um, stimulate getting more hunters into the woods. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the whole idea of archery my whole thought with with bow hunting and getting more people more retention and more people involved was you know let's let's get let's get people just to at least do archery okay so it's one thing to like pick up a bow and shoot it or a crossbow but it's another thing to kill an animal it's two different things and so right. like the the advantage though for our industry is that if i can get you to at least do archery you're still spending money in the industry the industry's still growing if you're spending anything, buying a site, buying a release, buying some arrows. So it's really important to at least draw people into archery. And obviously hunting would be great, but, you know, it's, again, it, just to give an archery would be huge, a huge deal. Um, with the crossbow, for, for, in, in specifically, um, that is a great tool to get people in because it's different. It's fun. A uh, good example is like I, I was shooting with my kids. We do an archery day um, once a week and we try to go to uh, our studio and we shoot in the studio because it's cold outside now, obviously. And um, so I pulled out these little bear archery um, sells these little handheld crossbows. They're like actually a lot of fun. And uh, you know, it gives the kids something to do and it's a lot of fun. Obviously I do it with them. So it's safe, but like, you know, just for them to be able to uh, play with these things, they're actually called the Desire, and um, they were like loved it, right? They're like shooting it, they're challenging each other, and you know who can hit where. So there's a lot of positives to those type of products, and crossbows in general uh, have definitely helped already 
uh, build the industry a little bit more because, you know, now you had people who wanted to go bow hunting, but just couldn't. You also have gun hunters now who are saying, oh, I always wanted to hunt the archery season. Now I can hunt the archery season, which opens up a lot more opportunities to shoot a big buck. So you have this mix. Um, and I think that that's a good mix to have, in my opinion, because we needed to have a push and we needed to have it. I mean, we can all sit there and say, you know, this, this, that, and this about crossbows. But the truth is, is that you, if, if we're not like growing, that means we're only going to die. So <laughs> if the industry's not going up, if we don't have anything to draw people in, we're not going to do well on the back end. I can tell you that. Right. So let's just compare uh, if if you can, can you compare the average cost of a crossbow versus the average cross of a compound bow? And is it anywhere close or are, is there one that's more expensive than the other? Yeah, that's a good, that's a great question. Um, so <laughs> crossbows are a different breed. Like, so there's like, the thing about a crossbow is that it, there is a huge difference in pricing and it just depends on what you want. Now, I don't recommend buying a low cost crossbow, to be honest with you. I'm more of a person who says I want to spend more money, not because of it's so much better, but more of a safety concern. Like I, I don't want, I want to have a bow that I know is like, you know, built in America and it's made good. It's made by one of these high end companies just for safety. There's a lot of power behind a crossbow and a lot of things that can go wrong. And, um, a lot of things that can break. Right. So like I, I, I'm a firm believer in spending a little bit more, but I, let's talk about that for a second. So how much are we talking? Right. And so I would, I'm going to defer over to Excalibur because Excalibur makes a great crossbow um, and their crossbow started around 550. And so I would recommend any one of these bows, like no issue at all, built tough, no issues. Um, but they range from you know, 550, which is a very low end for them, uh, majority around 750. But then if you want all the bells and whistles, like built in cranks and cranks and different stuff, you're pushing 1500 to three, I don't know if it's 3000 or no, 20, 20, looks like 2,222, 22, the twin strike, their new one. <laughs> so they're, they're ranging from, like we said, five something to $2,000, whereas 10 point has the same concepts, and same brand image and quality that I would recommend. And they range in the same, they have a Wicked Ridge brand, a little bit cheaper brand, and they are probably around, I'd have to look it up, but I would bet they're somewhere in the range of three to 500, all the way up to $4,000. So there is, there is a huge range, a huge different type of range in crossbows for sure. Right. Any, let, let me just throw, um, let me throw a couple hypotheticals at you. Uh, let, and we're, we'll talk about bows and we'll talk about crossbows because I, I really think that crossbows deserve a place at the table just from a, a getting someone new or a child into like a stepping stone to get them into a compound bow into archery. Um, so if you were going to recommend from all the testing that you've done, if you were to recommend a, a price conscious bow for a brand new hunter, um, what might you recommend? Are we talking compound or crossbow? Uh, com a compound first. Um, I'm I like the bear line. I think bear does a great job. They have a bow called the legit. Um, I think that's a great bow um, at a price point that um, will draw people in at four hundred bucks. So I mean, it, it's definitely an option that if you're if you don't have a lot of money, um, you can get from bear 
a ready to hunt, which means has a sight, has a whisker biscuit, has a stabilizer for 400 bucks. I mean, I don't know how much cheaper you can go than that. Um, but that right there, in my opinion, is a great starting bow for anybody. Yeah, that is, that's real good from a, from a reputable brand too. I agree. Yeah. yeah. All right. What about crossbows? I, if I was crossbows are a little different for me. Um, what is out there and what is recommended? I, I would recommend it's such a hard one because the prices, but I, I do like Excalibur a lot. I just, I like the simplicity of their bow. Um, but I, you know, I think I, I'm just trying to look at the one I was using last year. It was called the ax. I was trying to see what that one costs, but I, I, I would suggest, I mean, I'd be okay with their G340 matrix. It's like 650. That's not too bad. I think that's, that would be fine um, for anybody. And, and I'm talking, when I say anybody, I mean kids too, you know, this is like a, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. gotta be able to do everything with it. And, uh, cause you're not gonna want to buy like four of these freaking things, you know? Right. So you gotta have something that's going to work for, you know, kids as well. Um, I, I would, you know, like I said, and then like with Wicked Ridge, I would definitely look at that too. Um, and those are nice. We tested those too and we liked them and theirs go down to 400 bucks. Um, they have an invader 400, which is 570. So that's not bad. I think they, in one of the cool things about 10 points, they do have their own like knock system, which is actually really cool and it does well and you can put their own lighted knocks in. So it's, it is, there are some cool parts to what they have. Plus they do have the built-in, um, crank where you can grab it and pull it back. It's real simple. Sweet dude. Well, is there any more, I guess, interesting information that you've come across in all the years of doing what you do, testing products, um, maybe any insight you'd like to pass along to the listeners of this podcast? Yeah. You know, I would say, um, real quick, you know, when you guys get a second up, we're going to work on a video coming up called the Havoc RS 440 with the zero on it site from uh, 10 point that's coming up a video work on this bow is around $3,700. So it's not a cheap bow by any means, but what it has is this new site that like ranges the deer for you. It's freaking crazy. And so like when you range it, I don't know if you, if people, you guys have probably seen Burris makes a really nice one in Garmin where you, you put, you know, your bow sight can go on an animal, you hit a button and it has a rangefinder built into it. So it then takes the pin and arranges the pin to fit where the distance is. Well, that's what this thing does. So look forward to that. That's coming up. That's really exciting. Uh, we'll probably work on the Burris one as well. They have one called Oracle X range finding crossbow scope. And that is the same concept. So everybody's getting into this concept of ranging and, you know, finding the range for you so you don't have to pull out a separate you know range finder so it's pretty interesting the way it's moving also uh excalibur launched a twin strike which is a crossbow has two bolts two four sets of limbs two bolts two triggers like a double barrel shotgun <laughs> it's crazy it is actually awesome but it is crazy it's like, awesome it is i've seen that it's awesome but at what point does it stop being archery I don't know. I mean, I, I don't see, honestly, I, I'm, I'm different than most people. I don't see a lot wrong with it because for me, I, I just, I don't see what the difference would be from me firing one shot and then cocking my bow to get ready in case another deer comes or if I need to shoot the deer again, but now I have it at my fingertips. So I think it's a little bit easier, but I'm also a person that believes in crossbows. Like I believe right. that when I buy a tag, when I buy a tag, I go buy a deer tag. I believe it's my right to use whatever I want to kill that deer. That's just my feeling. I know people won't agree with that, but like, I feel like we get too caught up in arguing about uh, like the weapon when we should just be like, how many deer did you get? That's awesome. Congratulations. You know, like instead of worry about, well, would you use a crossbow or a bow? Who cares? I got a deer. I, I paid for a tag legally. 
you know, like I don't see, the, I just don't see the fight. I think it's a simple, I just feel like it's a fight that's always internal right. to hunters. That's a waste of time. It's like it, it, if someone, as long as they're getting outside and enjoying their life, I don't know why anybody cares to mess with that. Like if, if my dad's out there with the twin strike, I don't care. I mean, it's not like he's doing something illegal with it. That's right. different. Like if he was, you know, if it was one trigger and two bolts, yeah, I get that part. But since it's two triggers, it's completely two separate shots. So it, what's, is there anything illegal about having two crossbows next to each other and shoot one, put one down, grab the other? I don't think so. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. that's yeah. why it doesn't bother me. Now, again, if it was one trigger, you know, and they shot two shots, I'd say, yeah, that's a little crazy. I don't know if that would be, you know, to par. Yeah. But it's two separate shots. I mean, you take the first shot, deer's running. It's not like you're going to hit it again instantly anyway. Very but interesting. some states have different rules with does. You can shoot a doe as soon as you shoot a buck. You can shoot multiple does. You know, you don't have to, you know, so there's a lot of weird rules. Yeah. Um, so depending on where you're at, it could change some things, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I do know that in um, in Iowa, as far as I know, the last time I checked anyway, I think it was last year when the or a couple of years ago when that Garmin uh, site came out that you can range and that move the, the dot move, tells you where you need to shoot, right? Um, that those are illegal in Iowa. So any type of lighted or battery powered site is illegal in Iowa. So I had a I, sense for them for yeah, what they want. Yeah, I, I don't agree with it, but I, I it's their rules and their state. Yeah. They'll do that. I just I, again I don't see the point in not using something that helps kill an animal effectively. Yeah, but. You know, hey, I, I don't know what traditions they're trying to hold on to or and that's fine. You know, like I said, it everybody's going to have a different opinion. There's yep. nothing wrong with anybody's opinion. It's always about legislation and what gets through. Yeah, that's a fact. That's where it's all at. So if you want to change, you have to go, you know, higher up to get the change. That's a fact, man. No well, point arguing. Right. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Dave, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on the Hunting Gear podcast here and uh, BS with us for a little bit and talk about your experiences, testing out all these bows and whatnot. So, uh just so everybody knows if uh they want to go and check out some of the reviews that you do some of the uh, demos that you do where do we need to send them uh they can go to bowhunterplant.com and from there they'll be able to find all the links to everything we got going on there's just so much lately so it's 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 going to be a fun year i can tell you that (laughs) 